This podcast is brought to you by Story King Books. Sign up now and get a free copy of my latest ebook, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. The link will be in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, the show featuring inspirational conversations about the art and business of storytelling and living life. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is author and ghostwriter Ruby Peru. With a humorous writing style, Ruby Peru has been ghostwriting memoirs for clients for quite some time now. This is my very first interview with a professional ghostwriter, so I'm going to get right into it. Here is my conversation with Ruby Peru. Ruby Peru, welcome to the Story King podcast. Hi, thanks for having me, Giancarlo. Absolutely. Yeah, I start out all of these interviews by asking my guests what their story is. So, what is the story of Ruby Peru? Give us a little background about who you are and what you do. Well, I'm a ghostwriter and I specialize in memoir. So people hire me to write lots of different types of books actually, but um, most most books come back down to it being a, a some type of a memoir of your life. For instance, I recently wrote a book for a financial planner which has a lot to do with financial planning, like his personal philosophy of financial planning, but he developed that through his experience of his life. So it's a memoir, but it's also a self-help book. And so a lot of memoirs overlap into other things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. Does that answer your question? It does. It does. You're you're the first ghostwriter I have on the show. So I'm I'm just been I'm kind of just fascinated with your work. Uh, have you been writing since childhood? Have you always been writing? Yeah, I've always been a writer, uh, but it took me many years to figure out how to make a living at it because becoming a brilliant novelist is surprisingly not as easy as you might think. Um, so I, I used to just freelance you know, decades ago, I was just freelancing, taking various random jobs, writing articles, writing chapters and various things for people. And then somebody hired me to write a book, uh, to write a memoir. And it was just a weird coincidence of he was, it was, at, it's one of the best books I've done because it's about a guy that got out of a cult. So I had to do all this research about cults and stuff. And this particular cult happened to be centered in the town that I lived in. Mm. So I was sort of weirdly highly qualified for the job by a strange <laughs> coincidence. And I like did undercover work. Like I went to their meetings. And <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a blast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting. So that's how I got my first job writing a memoir. And it made me realize there are some specific kind of personality traits that you need in order to write memoirs for people. And it's not really something that can be taught. Hmm. It's, it's a, it's a, it's like more of a personality trait, you know, which is on the one hand, you have to be able to work with crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> so not all my, not, not all my clients, are, most of my clients are not crazy, but some of them are, and you never quite know what you're going to get with clients. And so you start working with people and then you realize what they're like. And you're like, okay, 
the best way of describing it is some people just have a very different value system from my value system. And in order to write a book from this other person's perspective, I have to see the world through their eyes, right? And so I have to go, why do you have that value system? What about your life led you to having that value system? So it's not, so that I'm not, as a writer, I'm not coming at it from a judgmental perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm coming at it from perspective of trying to really understand what made you the way that you are. This particular client that I'm just describing was a con man. That was what he did in the cult. He did cons for the cult leader. So literally nobody that I know would describe him as a good person Mm -hmm. or an ethical person, but he considers himself a very ethical person. And when I understood his background who raised him, how he was raised, the ethics he was raised with, and the ethics he was taught in the cult, it made sense, you know, from his perspective. I could see how it's kind of one of these things where, like, in this case, he believed that the ends justified the means, because that's what he had been taught, you know. He was actually raised in one cult and then got out of it and then just joined this other one, because that's sort of the only way he knew how to live, you know. Mm -hmm. And his guru had taught him like we're building a better world. This is like, we're improving humanity and the ends justify any means that we need, even if it's just conning people, you know? Wow. It, it sounds like you have to look at your clients as characters to understand how they tick because then you're going to be writing as them, just as you would write any protagonist. You kind of have to understand their value system and even exactly. if it's very different from yours. So it's, it's very interesting. Now, I was reading in your bio, is this true that you studied under Kurt Vonnegut in the 80s? Yeah. And David Foster Wallace, is that right? Yeah. Wow. Kurt Vonnegut taught briefly at Carnegie Mellon where I went to school. Uh, It's not like we were like one-on-one best buddies. It it was a lecture (laughs) hall. Okay. So being realistic. But yeah, he was a very interesting teacher, a very irascible, totally irascible character who would just like yell at you. really (laughs) he liked to graph things he would like set up this big chalkboard for instance his favorite lecture to give was about um graphing how a story plot goes like you have a character who's down in the dumps and then they have a revelation and then the pitfall happens and then they have to work their way back up there's a climax of the story so he's graphing it on this thing and then he describes a different storyline where you can see how the graph is for that storyline And then he describes Hamlet and he was like, Hamlet is the ultimate story because it starts out where you're really not quite sure if what is happening is good or bad. Mm. And you're sort of in the middle. And then the next thing happens and you're kind of like, well, you're really not quite sure if this is good or bad either. And so then, and it ends up just being a straight line across the middle of the (laughs) graph. And he was like, that's the ultimate story. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen him uh, on YouTube. I've seen that whole graph thing that he oh, you does have? in, in oh, lecture yeah. halls. Yeah, the, and he's very funny, too. I mean, his books are funny, yeah. and he seemed funny as a lecturer, too. Now, what about David Foster Wallace? Where did you meet him? Or, or That was 99, and I became fascinated by Infinite Jest, not realizing... How- Absolutely. I was out of college and completely outside of any type of writing community. And Mm -hmm. I had no idea that this book had a cult following and that it was like the source of this whole postmodern movement. I had no idea. I just loved it. I was just reading it and I was like, this is the nerdiest shit. I love it. (laughs) I'm such a nerd and I just love it. And I said, 
I, so I looked it up and I, and I said, I want to study with this guy. And I, he was teaching at Illinois state university, which is like mm. really easy to get into. <laughs> ISU is short for I screwed up in Illinois, <laughs> but he's from <laughs> Illinois. And so oh. he was happy to be living in Illinois, just having this very low key life where he got to, um, mostly do his own writing and teach a little on the side and get paid well for it. And it was a really nice gig for him, you know? So I ended up t- attending school there. And in my first semester there, I was able to study with him. Yeah. You know, one of the most disturbing short stories I ever read was by David Foster Wallace, Incarnations of Burned Children. You ever read that? Probably, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, it sounds. <laughs> sounds it. <laughs> but I mean, it. He. It's like seven hundred words, but like, I was so as a as a writer myself, I was so like impressed by how he was able to disturb me in such a short period of time. You know, just like. <laughs> 700 yeah. words and I'm all like, you know, I'm having <laughs> My like life nightmares. will never be the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a powerful writer. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, you told me what got you into ghostwriting. Uh th- your first client was writing a story about how he got out of a a cult. What what made you think that you could start a business from that at that point or was it kind of just a slow process at well, that point? Well, no, it wasn't slow at all. Being that the internet exists, I was like, well, this is what I want to do. I want to do this more because I have this sort of, you need to be a little bit of a therapist. You need to be a a really good listener. You need to be able to cast aside your judgments of people in order to try to get inside their skin. And I have acting training. So that's part of what you do as an actor, you know, is like really try to figure out what makes the character tick. So I use that training with the client. So a lot of training that I have in other things came to play in that. And I was like, this is, I'm good at this. This is my thing, you know? And also it's a way that you can get paid to write books because I really like writing full length books. I like taking huge amounts of information and like really working it down into a nice, concise story. Mm-hmm. I can't stand being hired to write like these little short articles and web things. It's just, boring. So I just put up a website and I was like, this is what I do. Also, um, you know, I just networked through all the different freelance writing things. And I just specifically looked for book writing jobs and memoir writing jobs, which um, there are actually kind of a lot of people that want to write memoirs, but have no idea how a lot of people start their memoirs. And then they realize this is really hard which they didn't realize it was going to be at first. Mm -hmm. So they either want to hire an editor or a ghostwriter to do it for them. Some people need to write a book because they have a business and they want the book to like help promote their business. Different people want to write books for different reasons. Walk me through the process of, you know, ghostwriting and memoirs. So someone contacts you for your services. Where do you even begin? How long does it take? You know, what, what's your approach and uh, what's your approach and, and does it change for each project? It doesn't really change that much for each project, typically, because my system typically works for every project, which is that I spend the first month interviewing the clients and we want to start during a month when the client has plenty of time. It's really just an hour a day, hmm. like five days a week, usually is what we do. Some people like to chat on and on. I've had clients that want to talk for three hours at a time. 
But usually when that happens, they're kind of repeating themselves. And all of that, all the interviews have to be transcribed, which is a very lengthy process. So I try to keep it to an hour a day. So everybody's really fresh when I talk to them. And then at the end of the month, we've got 30 to 40 hours of interviews. And by then, people are pretty talked out. No matter how complex their story is, there usually isn't that much more to say. And sometimes they give you written material that they've already started working on, you know, so I also work that in. So I get all the material during the first month. And then the second month, I organize everything. And this is the thing that uh, I have a knack for that not everybody has a knack for, which is taking huge amounts of pages, hundreds of pages of information and boiling it down to what's the story? What's our way into this story? What's really interesting about the story, which is usually not what the client thought was interesting originally, Mm -hmm. you know, and where should we start? And should we progress in a normal narrative progression? Does it build up to a climax? Or is it the kind of story where you have like two parallel timelines and you have to go back and forth? Is, you know, is this a story that is really a memoir that's actually just like, very much like a romance novel. Should we write it like a romance novel? Should we write it like a mystery? Should we write it very flat and sort of like a detective novel, like Mm -hmm. very quick, short sentences? Or should we write it really flowery and, and expressive? And it all depends on what the client is like, who their favorite authors are, and what type of material we're working with. And 30 to 40 hours of interviews, that, that seems uh, intense to sift through afterwards. So it is. how long is the whole process? And if it's a month just of research, interviewing, you know, how, when is the book done typically? How it takes long? six months. It takes six months typically. Okay. Like the second month, I will organize everything and create a synopsis for the book and organize all the events of the person's life into a timeline. So it's all there and easy to research and all of the interviews will be organized under like subheadings and subcategories and stuff so that I can find the information. And that's what happens in the second month. And then the next three months I write 80 pages a month. So Mm -hmm. you end up with a book that's 240 pages, which is a really good length for selling a book. It's sort of optimum because if, if books are too long, people are sort of intimidated. And if they're too short, people feel like they're getting ripped off. And that's sort of like the length that publishers love. 240. Yeah. Around 240. That's, that's yeah. good to know. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so are you working on multiple projects at once then when you do this or? Sometimes I prefer to just work on one project at a time okay. just because it's easier, but I can write a couple of books at once as long as I stay organized and staying organized is the name of the game anyway. Now, it seems like an intense job. I'm not, you don't have to reveal your prices. Are, are you, is it expensive to do this? I mean, it's, it's a six month job. So, I mean, you, it costs $45,000 like- to hire me. You can get people to ghostwrite a book for half that. You can get people to ghostwrite a book for twice that. It's a totally unregulated thing where, the price that you pay is not necessarily reflective of the quality you're getting. It's a very difficult, weird situation because most people who hire a writer mm-hmm. aren't writers. And oftentimes they're not readers either. So they don't know how to evaluate how good you are. Right. So I have an extensive like resume and series of samples that I show people so they can see all the different things that I've done. And hopefully they'll have a good sense of 
oh, I like this, I like that. Maybe you could do it this way or that way to help people get into it. Um, but there are a lot of people who will say, I could hire a ghostwriter for $25,000 to do a whole book, which you totally could. I would be able to see the quality, but the client may or may not see the difference in quality, right. you know? And then there are people who charge a lot more than me, which is mostly based on the clientele that they're getting. Like if you are the kind of ghostwriter who's writing books for corporate clientele, which is where most of them are, you can charge three times what I charge just because those people have expense accounts and they just put it on the corporate ticket. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like uh, it's not something like anybody can do. Obviously, it's got to be somebody who has the 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 funds available to hire somebody to mm -hmm. to do this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, since you're ghostwriting, do you totally remove yourself from any author credits typically then? Is that part of the deal? It varies. It is part of the deal. Like lately in these past couple of years in my career, I've been getting credit for the stuff that I do largely because clients see the benefit of giving me a with credit when you have Joe Schmo with Ruby Peru. That's a little bit puts me at a slightly lower level than than you as the author. Mm -hmm. If you say Joe Schmo and Ruby Peru is even, but if you put with Ruby Peru, that's kind of a more logical way to list a ghostwriter because it, it's your story with me helping you tell it. You can also do as told by Ruby Peru, which is a third tier that's lower in terms of me getting credit. I'm very happy with either of those because I just like people to be able to, it's hard if you don't get any credit because then like, right. how can you show that you did any work, you know? But my contract typically uh, says you don't have to give me any credit, but I do have a little bit of a following. And so people might sell more books if they put my name on it, mm -hmm. you know, so people see that there's some benefit to it. And a lot of people, they see how hard I work and they don't feel right not giving me credit. So they feel like it's the right thing to do. So I get credit, you know, more often than not. Right. That's, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I was just wondering about that because it's such a lengthy time to work and I know you're getting paid for it, but yeah. I was just wondering if some clients were just like, they want to yep, look like are. they did it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there are a lot of clients who want to look like they did it for sure. And you let you them. Know? And, and I let them, that's what I get paid for. Okay. But if I have a choice between a client who wants to give me credit <laughs> and a client who doesn't, you know what I mean? Sure. Now, if you don't take credit on a book, can you at least add it to a portfolio on your website or anything? Yeah, it's in my contract that I can sh I can show samples of what okay. I've done to potential clients, not to the general public. But if somebody's going like, oh, I want to write a book about neuroscience. And I'd be like, well, I've written a book about neuroscience and I'm allowed to show you that, even though I'm not allowed to tell the world that I wrote it. So that's written into my contract so that it doesn't handicap me in terms of getting future jobs. And I've never had anybody complain about that. That was going to be my, my next question. Have you had any complaints whatsoever with the finished product that where people are just like, you know, this doesn't sound like me. I'm not buying it. <laughs> no, but also that would be impossible because essentially we agree on the synopsis of the story. So you agree on the storyline, right? Mm -hmm. And we also agree, this all happens during the second month of work. I'll send you some pages that is the voice of the book. 
where you can go, oh yeah, that sounds like me. And if it doesn't sound like you, then I redo it and I rewrite it until you feel like it sounds like you. So you know what to expect. And then as you get the pages, you can make edits. And if you're alarmed by something that seems totally wrong, you can get in touch with me. But typically the edits are minor. Oh, you got this date wrong. You got this name wrong or whatever. And then during the, the sixth month of the project, I do all the edits so that everything is, you know, the way that you want it. And then clients are happy. I've seen like, <laughs> I have seen a lot of people who have used ghostwriters blame their ghost. Like if somebody writes a book, okay, this happened with a book called, I can't remember the name of it right now. There was a book. It was about this woman who grew up in a war somewhere in Southeast Asia. And it, and it was this very hard hitting book about this war. And she got a lot of criticism for it. And then she blamed her ghostwriter. She was like, oh, well, that's all my ghostwriter's fault because she <laughs> wrote everything wrong. And I'm like, no, that, that's not it. You work with the ghostwriter. If you don't like what they're doing, you talk to them, they fix it. Whatever the final product is, is something that you've agreed on. It's not just like you have no control. That would be ridiculous. Right. It, it's like being quality controlled every step of the way. You're asking yeah. the author, the, the client for you know, are you cool with this or whatever before moving forward, basically? Exactly. Right. You know, and there's a, like, if you don't like, for instance, if I was to write the first 80 pages and you were to look at it and go, this is terrible. It's never happened to me. But if they were to do that, even after agreeing on the voice of the book, agreeing on the story synopsis, and they still didn't like it, then I would be like, well, let's stop working together. Don't waste your money on me. You can take everything we've done, all the research, all the stuff, and you can give that to your next ghostwriter. And it can be somebody else that works on it. You know what I mean? If that's what you want to do, nobody's stuck in a scenario. There are ghostwriters out there who are like, you have to give me half the money up front. And that is never do that. That's terrible. I take, because it takes six months, I have people pay it to me in six even increments. Okay. So that what they're paying for each month is what they're getting each month. I see. And if they don't want to continue, then they're not, then they've gotten what they've paid for. Right. And they've got all those interviews, all that research. They've got that. They can take it with them, you know. And it's no sweat so, off your back because you got paid for the work you did. Yeah, exactly. Right. The whole idea of like, Investing in a book by paying for a third of it up front or paying for half of it up front is ridiculous. It makes you, as the client, it makes you so helpless mm -hmm. because a lot of the jobs that I've taken are repair jobs from people who have gotten ripped off from other ghostwriters. Yeah. They come to me and they're like, oh, I gave this person all this money. And then they didn't turn it in. They didn't work with me. They didn't do this. And it was just based on trust. And I was like, people have to earn your trust. I earn trust from my clients. And everybody who does this kind of personal work with people has to earn their trust. You can't sure. just be like, give me all this money and just right. trust me. Like, that's <laughs> right. ridiculous. The trust <laughs> is broken right up front when you do that. Yeah. And, you know, as far as the business side of things, so how do you even go about soliciting your services? Is it really just word of mouth at this point? Or, you know, a like lot of it is a lot of it is word of mouth clients recommend other clients. I have a website, rubyperu.com. Mm -hmm. So if people are Googling for a memoir ghostwriter, also I specialize in using humor, which isn't like, typically it's not like hardy, har, har, we're writing some kind of uh, knee slapping 
thing. It's usually like using the voice of the client to really bring across the irony of the story or really to bring across the um, unique quality of, of that person's character. And that's what's funny, you know, or sometimes to make fun of various situations. Usually the character, the client makes fun of themselves. If they have a good sense of humor, they can make fun of themselves. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get a client who doesn't have a good humor, sense of humor about themselves, which some people don't. And you have to be like, okay, how are we going <laughs> to, how are we going to work with this? Like, okay. You, Cause you making fun of other people in a book seldom works. Right. Sometimes I get clients who want to write a book that makes fun of other people. And I try, I do it, you know, and then they can judge if they think that it's funny or not, but it's like, and sometimes the other people totally deserve to have, be made fun of, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just that it's hard in a book to bring it across and make yourself not look bad right? in front of other people. So I often have these lengthy discussions about what, how to bring humor into a difficult situation with clients. Like uh, sometimes people, this happens a lot with women. You're, they want to write about something terrible that happened but they're afraid that people will be angry with them so they're like let's make it funny so i had a woman one time get in touch with me about writing a book about being sexually harassed in the workplace she was like but make it funny and i was like okay first of all i'm very sad that you feel like you have to make it funny to get people to listen to it mm -hmm. but also sexual harassment in the workplace isn't funny and you'll look like a jerk if you try to make it funny but there are adjacent things that can be funny. Like you can make fun of your own cluelessness. Right. Right. So you're making fun of yourself, but not making fun of the fact that you were sexually harassed. Right. You can make fun of the sexual harasser if the person was a comical, ridiculous character. You can make fun of ridiculous situations that you put yourself into because because of your own innocence about the situation there's like adjacent things that you can mock and be funny about without actually making light of what is actually a very serious situation right you know? no that makes a lot of sense I, I know you also write your own books when you have the time uh, a couple of years ago you wrote uh, bits of string too small to save so I'm just curious, what, what is a ghostwriter interested in writing when they're not writing for other clients? What is that book about? And what, what's your the main genre you would write in if you had the choice? <laughs> so that book, I started writing that book before I ever became a ghostwriter, actually. It I would wrote it over the course of like 10 years. Hmm. I wrote it because I used to be a kindergarten teacher. And I used to sit the kids in a circle and I would just make up a story for them every day. And they were included in the story. And whatever interesting thing was going on with them, or if they were wearing something interesting or whatever, I would include it in the story. <laughs> so they loved it. They would sit there just like absolutely silent <laughs> and just listen to the story that I would create. And it was an incredible creative exercise for me. So eventually I left that job, but I didn't want to lose the creative chops that I had built up doing that. So I started writing this book and it's just about these like young characters. And then I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know what I wanted. I was just trying to keep my creative self alive. So the, the rule was uh, I have to have fun the same way I had fun when I was talking to the kids. So I would just introduce all these wacky characters and they go into this crazy fantasy land and there's like talking monkeys and there's 
all kinds of goofy scenarios. And then gradually over time, I started making it all make sense and making the fantasy world make sense. And I made the character a little older because then I realized it, it just made, you know, I sort of had to tweak everything from the original look of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was something that I wrote over time and I really had nothing to do with ghostwriting. I ended up developing my ghostwriting business kind of completely on the side from that. So it's sort of a fantasy or a magical realist type of book. But what I'm writing now is a memoir, like my own memoir. Oh, cool. So that's sort of more in line with what I do. <laughs> right, right. And let me ask you this. I, there is something you said that you said it can't be taught, but if someone wanted to begin a career in ghostwriting, I mean, what, what would your advice be to get started, as, assu- assuming their writing chops are already up to snuff? Well, ghostwriting is a really huge field. Like there are people who, it, ghostwriting a book, a full length book, Okay, ghostwriting a memoir is one thing. Ghostwriting a nonfiction book is a totally different thing. Ghostwriting like a blog or an article is a completely different thing that people, total amateurs can do, and they do it all the time, you know? So if you go on any of the, uh, there's like a freelance writing sites all over the place, And uh, if you're interested in doing freelance writing, you can go on there and you can get hired to, for instance, writing blogs is a really easy ghostwriting gig to get if you're willing to do it pretty cheap, you know, and then you can build up your resume writing blogs for people. And that's writing short things. So that's a way of showing your chops in terms of your writing style, but it has nothing to do with whether or not you would be able to write a full length book. Right. So if you build up your chops, ghostwriting short things for people, then maybe eventually you'll be able to land a job ghostwriting something much lengthier. But again, you have to start at the bottom. Like, you don't, there's a lot of competition in this field because people think (laughs) uh, a lot of freelance writers like to get big jobs because then you don't have to keep looking for jobs. You've got a job that lasts for six months, you know but you have to be able to do it and being able to have the self-discipline to work every day, turn in your work, work with clients, understand what they need, deal with editorial stuff. There's a lot involved in it. And it's like, there's no class you can take. It's more like you just have to gradually work your way up to longer jobs you know, and if you have the ability to, or if you have the kind of brain that organizes things well, that organizes information, then you'll gradually be able to prove that to people. You know, some people have it, some people don't, I don't know if it can be taught, but you have to be able to look at huge amounts of information and also read a lot, like understand how books work so that you can go, oh, I know how to tell this. It'll be just like that book. You know, there's this book called Bird Box that was made into a movie with Sandra Bullock. Hmm. That is, I'm, it's fascinating to me because it's told with two alternating timelines. And I'm fascinated by structure, story structure. So when I was reading this, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I love the way they're doing this. It builds suspense in this really weird, interesting way. And I was writing a book for a client that I couldn't figure out the best way to build suspense. And I was like, oh my God, we'll do it just like Bird Box. This is great. And so I convinced the client that it would be a good idea. And he really loved it. And it turned out great. So 
just continuing reading a lot is a big part of it. And mm-hmm. a lot of times clients will come and they'll say, oh, I want it to read just like a Daniel Silva novel. Got it. You know, I stay, I, I, I used to be a literary snob. Those days are over because most people are not literary snobs. Most people read genre stuff. And when mm-hmm. they, when your clients come to you and they say, I wanted to read like such and such, you need to know those authors and you need to know what they're talking about. Somebody comes and says, I want it to be funny like Jenny Lawson. That's totally different than funny like David Sedaris, right. you know? So you need to know those different types of humor and be able to go, oh, I got it. I know how to do that, you know? So sense. you want to read all over the spectrum. I read sci-fi. I read romance. I need, I read mystery. I read Western. I read high literature, you know, whatever I can get my hands on. It's great there's advice. Always, yeah, there's always something that, I mean, this is the same advice that any writer would give to any other writer. If you want to be a writer, you have to read. You have to see what other people are doing because it always makes you realize, oh, this is possible. Oh, you can have a chapter that's only one page. Oh, you can write a whole book with no chapters. Oh, you don't have to use punctuation at all if you don't want to, or you better use punctuation perfectly. God damn it. You know, like... Right. <laughs> there's every there's so many different ways to write i mean it's funny because sometimes clients come up and they're like how long is the chapter supposed to be like, that's so cute that you think that there's a rule for that there's no rule the right. chapter's supposed to be as long as it needs to be based on your expertise as a writer that's what i'm here for because it takes a lifetime to build up that expertise you know and when people start working with me they realize oh that's not that easy. So last question. It's just a fun one. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? I would be a super skilled carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> That's- I would because my secret sideline that has nothing to do with what I do for a living is um, renovating my house and I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> like, I, like I'm an inventor and I invent things. Like uh, I invented a bed that goes up to the ceiling on pulleys and I invent, like I invent things for like tiny house living or for like any type of just, I love to be like, ooh, I could do this in the kitchen and like have a thing that pulls out and then there's a thing that comes up and then there's a thing that does this, you know? <laughs> and so I invent things that I do not have the skill to build. And then sometimes I, Sometimes I can find somebody skilled enough to actually build it for me if I can afford to. But most people look at me like I'm insane. And I'm like, I'm tired of having people look at me like I'm insane. I want to be able to just build it and be like, look what I made. (laughs) So that would be my fondest desire would be to be a super skilled carpenter and welder, like person who can make anything. (laughs) Nobody's ever answered that question like that. That's a super practical answer. Invisibility would help me in no way. Running right. fast would not help me in any way. Flying None doesn't re- re- renovate your house at all. I don't care about that. Right. No. <laughs> Super practical. All right. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> if people wanted to buy either your books or contact you to help them write their own, where can they go about doing that? RubyPeru.com. Ruby like the gem, Peru, like the country.com. Super simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just just about out of time, Ruby. So I'm, I'm going to uh, make sure your link is in the show notes. 
And thank you so much for coming on to the Story King podcast and sharing your story with us. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Ruby Peru. All of her links will be in the show notes. Don't forget to check out storykingbooks.com. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. Our username is storyking.podcast. I post weekly short stories, writing tips, quotes from famous authors. You don't want to miss that. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash storykingpodcast. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with the show, please consider becoming a patron. You could choose a monthly membership tier at www.patreon.com forward slash thestoryking. All those links I just mentioned will be in the show notes. One more thing, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the favor of sharing the show with your friends and on social media, subscribing to it, and leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Story King Podcast, a show about the art and business of storytelling and living life. Please join us next time. Until then.